Hi there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I get to be here today with Monica Swanson, who is a self-proclaimed grandmom, living the, the <laughs> life of a grandmom in Oahu. And uh -huh. if you don't know what that is, it's totally fine because we're going to talk about that. Um, she's an author, blogger, podcaster. She kind of does all the things. Mm -hmm. And most recently, she has written a great book. And about raising boys that we're going to be talking about and just about how we as parents or grandparents can be intentional about raising our kids. So I'm really excited to be here with you, Monica. Thanks for joining us. It's my honor. Thanks so much for having me. Well, before we get to it, I really am excited to get into this conversation, but we like to ask our, list, like to ask our guests, um, what is your favorite prayer closet? Where do you go to be close to God? Yeah, I love this. Um, I've got a couple spots, but I have a big red chair in my bedroom that it seems to be where I keep my little stack of prayer journal and Bible and all the things by the side of it. And so I usually find myself snuggled into the red chair with a blanket over my lap. And, um, and eventually my 10-year-old finds his way into the little space by my side, which is he's not going to fit there much longer. But by the time I'm done, we're usually there doing his devotions too. But that's my favorite spot. I love that. And that just goes right into a lot of what your message is about, you know, <laughs> just modeling our faith for mm. our kids being so important. And I love that instead of looking at him coming up next to you as infringing mm. on your time, yeah. that it just kind of becomes, it sort of morphs into mm -hmm. your collective time. I love there, that. There's a little mental battle sometimes going on there, <laughs> but I'm I sure. try to remind myself that one day he won't want to be in my lap and that I need to share this space. So it helps when I get up early enough that I don't have, you know, that there's time for both. So, yeah, I know. And I think that is good because there is a time to just mm. totally separate yourself. Um, I think it was John Wesley's mom that put the mm -hmm. apron over her head. Oh, I love that. Story. Uh, that's one of my favorites. That was her yeah. prayer closet. And it that was, was. Where she was just like, you know what? There might I not be that. room for kids in under yes. the apron. And there that's is a right. time. That's but, right. Yeah. I've been, um, I've been reading, well, listening on Audible and then reading um, the book, How to Pray by, his last name is Greg, G-R-E-I-G, but it's called something like a, um, a guide for normal people. But he tells that story in there and, and he also just has, I just love that book, but um, the whole just uh, approach to my time with the Lord, I've just felt like that's really improved it. And I've really been able to spend the time just being still and pausing at the beginning. And yeah, learning from people like Wesley's mom, it was really encouraging. So that's a book I recommend. That is neat. I'm going to, I'll link to that. I'll make Dude, a note to the link audible to that is especially notes. good because he's got the great accent and it's just fun to listen to the author. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, we need to do that because that sounds like a great book. I have not yeah. read that one. Yeah. Well, you are a Grom mom. And I recently <laughs> discovered what that is because I listened to, I think it was your interview with Jamie Ivey and uh -huh. you talked about it. I love it because I feel like we, we're kind of kindred spirits here. We talked mm -hmm. about this a little bit. You're from Hawaii. Mm -hmm. I'm in Alaska. And yep. it just, we feel a little separate, even though we're part yes. of S of A. Uh -huh. We are different in some yeah. ways. And um, being a grown mom, I'm a hockey mom. Everybody uh -huh. kind of knows what that is. So yes. there, there's this life attached to being a hockey mom. Tell us mm -hmm. about what being a grand mom looks like because it's pretty exciting. Right. Well, uh, being a grand mom, so I'll go ahead and give the definition of a grom. Uh, a grom, the word probably originated in Australia because they always coined the 
the fun, crazy terms those Aussies do. Uh, but I think people in California, maybe Florida, some of the mountains, um, uh, Grom is a, a kid who's, who rides boards. So typically you think of surfer, skater kids, but also I believe the snowboarding industry has Groms. And so years ago, almost 10 years ago, when I started blogging, I called my blog thegrommom.com, partly because it was just such a fun word that rolled off my tongue. But um, the word Grom is used here in Hawaii so frequently, you know, kids are just Groms. Look at the little Grom. Look at that Grom on the board, you know. And when we have surf contests, there's usually a mini Grom division, a Grom division. There's king of the Groms. So Groms are just a very much a part of our life. But after blogging for a few years, I did discover that most people around the world aren't familiar with that term and it was confusing a lot of people. So I kind of took that out of the title of my blog, but I still love it. So yeah. That's the life we live. Kids on surfboards and skateboards, usually with a mop of white hair on their head and brown skin and all kinds of mischief. <laughs> Do you surf yourself? Not officially. I, I'll get on a longboard when we're somewhere with really small waves, but the problem is here is my boys surf such um, crazy waves on tiny boards. So if I want to go out with them, there's not too many times where what they're surfing would be realistic for me. So I usually am on the beach, guarding their stuff, taking pictures, hanging out. <laughs> yeah. Well, so we actually got to have Bethany Hamilton on the show oh, last year. So yeah. she, you're our second Hawaii. Now she's in Kauai, right? So she is. She you're is. Different, different islands. Have right. you ever crossed paths with her? I know that's like asking someone that lives in Canada. No, no, no. No, it's actually not. It is a small world. When you're in the surf community, especially the Christian surf community, it is a small world. So okay. we have many mutual friends. And yeah, I had her on my podcast as well because she is a boy mom. And um, she also happens to surf for the same company as my son. My son is a 16-year-old. Oh, nice. um, he's you know young, but he's a professional surfer as well. And they're both on Rip Curl. Mm -hmm. And they also have a few other sponsors in common. So they actually train together sometimes. She comes here to Oahu in the winter and um, his coach works with Bethany when she's here. So they've got to do some heats, my son against Bethany, which is really fun. That is cool. Yeah. So it's neat. I mean, I know her mostly online and from our interview, but um, lots of mutual friends and she is amazing. She's such a great role model. That's neat. And you say winter so loosely, you know, what is winter like? I mean, what is the, do you have a change of seasons? I've actually no. never been to Hawaii. Everyone in oh, Alaska has been to Hawaii, but me. Yeah. You need to come. Oh yeah. I usually laugh because I'm from the Pacific Northwest originally yeah. and I'm a fall girl. I love the changing of the seasons. I love the fall colors. I love, you know, sweaters and hot coffee. Um, but in Hawaii, fall, we've been here 19 years, so I've adjusted. And fall in Hawaii means the waves are coming back to the North Shore. So that's pretty oh. much what determines fall is because summer, it's really flat on our North Shore. And we have to drive down to Honolulu because we live in the country. We're up on the North Shore. Um, downtown, Honolulu is where the waves are in the summer. So it's all about the waves. So wintertime means everything's happening on the North Shore, Kauai as well, Kauai and Oahu. And um, we are, we live where the most of the pro contests are. So you've probably heard of like Pipeline, Sunset Beach, the Triple Crown of Surfing is the big World Surf League. And that all happens literally a couple miles from my house. So wow. it's kind of fun because winter, it's like this vibe in the air of all the pros and all the media and all the fans. And it's kind of fun. It's like if you lived in a big football town, that's how it would feel. And here it's surf. <laughs> so. Yeah. Here in Alaska, it's our fleeting summer that is big tourist season. So I yes. have never, it has never even crossed my mind 
that surfing would be dependent on the season. I just never yeah. even thought about that because I have mm. nothing. I've never, ever yes. surfed that it would be yes. seasonal, that you would have waves mm-hmm. at certain times of mm-hmm. year. I just assumed you surf, yeah. you surf all the time. Yeah, we, my son has to travel some of the year to find waves in other places. So he moves around a lot. <laughs> so how many boys do you have? Four? Four boys. Yes. And, and they're do, 21 down to 10. So. Okay. Do all of them surf? Yes, they do. They do. They all love to surf. And in fact, my older two are now in California in Santa Barbara for college, uh, but they purposefully chose somewhere where they could still um, have surf and they love the surf there. They're really happy surfing there near Santa Barbara Ventura. And then my younger two are competitive surfers. So that's a whole nother thing because yeah, it's pretty consuming. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and so did you move? I, I, I'm pretty sure in your story, you moved mm-hmm. to Hawaii for different reasons. It was You didn't move yes. to surf, right? So can you tell That's us right. how you sure, got sure. to Hawaii? Yes. Well, again, my husband and I are both from the Pacific Northwest. He's from Oregon. I'm from Washington. And um, he went to medical school in Portland, Oregon. And I was quite content there. And then he had his residency program, which would be a three-year program and he put Hawaii as his top choice and there's a big match day which is exciting and you know you put all your top choices and he was matched with um, University of Hawaii for a three-year residency so at that point I thought great you know a three-year vacation basically that's kind of how I looked at it was we're gonna have three years to live in Hawaii and then we'll go back to the northwest but by the end of those three years uh, my husband who had been a windsurfer he was he's always been pretty active and athletic. And he grew up a soccer player and a windsurfer. Um, But he had traded in windsurfing for surfing by the end of the three years. And by then we also had three sons. We moved over with a baby, little guy, and then we had two more. So by then um, he was like, why would we ever leave? He was offered a job at a hospital and he's like, this is home. So I love it, but I do probably miss the, you know, the seasons in the Pacific Northwest and family. My husband's pretty content to just stay here always. (laughs) So yeah, that's how we ended up here. Yeah. Well, so was there ever a time that moving was an option? Have you had different seasons where the opportunity to move has come up? Has that, has that ever crossed your minds and paths? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think more, like I said, for me than for my husband, you know, he gets letters because he's a hospital physician. There's always a hospital somewhere on the mainland that's sending out letters looking to recruit. And, you know, I've, I've at some points when I thought, oh, it would be better to raise the kids near family. I miss the seasons. We could have, you know, more Hawaii is very expensive. I'm like, it would be easier to live on the mainland. So I've tried to convince him a few times and, um, living here, it's just a simpler life. There's, you trade in a lot of things, you know, you may not be able to have as big of a home or as nice of a car as many things, but there's a a lifestyle that's really special. And I think over time, my husband has helped me and the Lord has worked on my heart. As I've said, you know what, this is really where we belong. It's not for everyone, but for us, it's really been a gift to raise my kids in this, uh, just more natural, more simple. Uh, Just a lot of things are different here. And I don't realize how different it is until I spend time. We, We spend usually five weeks in Southern California for surf contests every summer. And once I get there, I'm like, wow, we do live differently. (laughs) And so I think I've learned to really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, and that is a big part of kind of what you talk about in your books, in your Mm -hmm. blog, Um, Mm -hmm. being 
simplifying life mm-hmm. and being intentional as a parent. Those are two yeah. things. Would, would you say that those are kind of yeah. two key elements of what you're about and what you talk about? Absolutely. Yes, I, I think so. Those are a big theme and something that's really grown in me over the years. Yeah. Well, so is, what would you say to someone? Because I, you are in a place where it seems like, like you said, you kind of have been forced into a more simple existence in many ways. And so I think as Americans, probably as pretty much anyone listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. wherever they're from, mm-hmm. we're, we're craving simple or mm-hmm. <laughs> at least most of us are. I know that is something that I'm just really wanting and it's hard to come by in, t- in this day and age. So yeah. what would you say to someone is a first step mm-hmm. if they're looking to simplify, but they're just caught on the treadmill? Yeah. Yeah. What, what would be the oh, first that's, step? That's such an excellent question. Such an important one. And I think the first step is probably finding some space to pull away, to be able to zoom out. And I know that's really hard to do. I don't know where different people are, but we've been pretty much quarantined like since the beginning of this pandemic. And so I feel like it's really hard for parents who have young kids, especially to pull away. But if you can just take some time, I mean, even going for a walk or getting out with your husband or, you know, a weekend away is ideal. And just really start to ask yourself the question, what, what matters most? What do I want to remember? What kind of life do I want my kids to have when they are grown up and they look back at their life? What are the things that I'm going to really be glad we're in their lives and what are the things that I'm just adding because everybody else is and I feel like I have to, but probably isn't really contributing to the human I want my son or daughter to grow up to be. And so I think really asking some hard questions and then making some hard calls. And I share about this in Boy Mom, but just the time where you just get really brave and say, you know what, my kid doesn't need to do seven activities and we don't need to sign up for everything. And I can say no to some things because you know what, being home, hanging out as a family, having a slower rhythm to our day, to our night, it's actually really important to me. And and I might need to learn to say no to some things and tell my little anxious heart to settle down and trust God because really when it all comes down, our kids' faith and their character is going to be the two things that we are so glad we poured into. And there's a whole lot of things that aren't really contributing to that. So it's, it's hard. It's not, not easy to do. But I think the more you start to do it and you see the rewards, you're like, I am so glad I didn't buy into the rat race. Well, I love that you're looking, it almost flip-flops it rather than asking, what do I need to strip away? It's mm-hmm. what is my end goal? Mm-hmm. And really exactly. being intentional about what is your mission? What do you want yes. your visualize what you want your kids to look like? What you exactly. want them to take away from these mm-hmm. fleeting years of childhood mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what you want your family life to look like and maybe creating that in your mind and then going backwards and saying, yes, what doesn't align with that? Exactly. Yep. You got what it. Are, what are some of the specifics? Because in, mm-hmm. in your book, I read a little bit of your book and, and in the beginning you talk about this turning point for you mm-hmm. and sort of this process of getting to the point where you felt like you were focusing on the more important things. Mm-hmm. What were some of the things that you came to the conclusion that you needed to strip away or? Mm, yeah. 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 Good question. Um, I think because that turning point for me happened when my kids were young, mm-hmm. a lot of it was just 
activities. I mean, just simple things like trying to be in all the playgroups or have them doing all the sports. I remember driving around to, well, my husband was a soccer player, so he really wanted his boys to play soccer and they didn't love it. And they would be crying on their way to practice every time. And I'd be at the game sweating, thinking they hate this. Why am I doing this? Uh, And then, you know, trying to have them in all the Awana's groups and the Cub Scouts. And I mean, there were just so many things. And I just thought, this is not fun for any of us. And having the conversation with my husband to say, can we strip away a few of these things? And can soccer be one of them? And that wasn't an easy conversation. But, um, but yeah, I think when they're little, a lot of it is activity. And I think that as parents, to be really honest, we might sometimes sign up for a lot of things because it seems a little easier than just being home with our kids. Mm. And, and yes, sometimes these things bless our kids. They might, you know, we might really value them taking music lessons or learning about the Bible in their Awanas group. And those are good. But sometimes I think we're afraid to be home with our kids. And I remember when my boys were young and they went to preschool, I dreaded summers because I thought, ah, what will I do with all this time alone with my kids? Well, now I'm a homeschool mom, so I'm always with them. And I think I had to get through that fear of like, what do I do with them? Because what my kids needed most was mom spending time with them, not down on the floor playing with them all day long. I don't think that's our job, but giving them some things that they can do and a little bit of boredom and a little bit of just free flowing time to explore the backyard, which was really small back then. And, um, and I think they need moms to train them in their character, to talk to them, to read to them from the Bible and from other good books. And I think we sometimes just fear that time and we need to break through and try it. And I think sometimes this pandemic has taught families that it's not so bad being home with their kids, that it's actually can be a lot of fun. And I think we're afraid of that and we need to break through it. So, yeah. That is so good. And I think for me, to be very honest, um, so mm-hmm. I've, I've never dreaded having the kids home in theory because I just, you know, I like their company. I like them as kids, but what I've come to realize is I'm not a great manager of anything. Mm-hmm. I'm a good worker. I'm a good little mm-hmm. worker bee. Mm-hmm. Tell me what to do. I'll get it done. Mm-hmm. But being a mom, particularly at home, when you're the yeah. one staying at home or working from home, you're the one that basically sets the stage. You yeah. organize things. Mm-hmm. You have to be a manager. A home manager is mm-hmm. really good yeah. job. Right. And it doesn't come easily for me. I'm not good mm-hmm. at it, you know, and I'm, I'm right. working toward that. But what I have realized is I do better in busy because I can get in the car and take them to the next appointment or the uh-huh. next play date or the next hockey practice. That's very easy for me to do. And I can gauge my worth and my value and whether I've done it well. Mm. Did I get there on time? Okay. I could probably do that sometimes. Um, <laughs> did they have all their gear? You know, I can chalk oh, those yeah. up as yeah victories that can build myself up. Whereas when we're at home, it's so subjective and it's so, it's, it it is scary. And, and then, Mm -hmm. but like you said, you know, as I think COVID has taught me some of this homeschooling at different times has taught me this, but just the fact that once you strip the need to perform out of Mm -hmm. the equation, there are so many just really precious times and just jewels of, of seeing God, when you open the door for God to show you what his plan is for the day to day Mm -hmm. in the moments, um, I'm still really struggling with 
getting rid of the check off the list stuff because I can find myself spiraling into, oh, I'm no good at this. I didn't get this, this, and this done. Yes. Um, I think that's a mom thing. I'm with you. (laughs) It is. But yeah, I just, I love what you said though about being afraid to just simplify because it puts a little bit more responsibility, a lot more responsibility on us to, Mm -hmm. to train our kids. Mm-hmm. hard. Yes, it is. But boy, it pays off later. So, and I, I think we sometimes in our mind imagine it's a lot more than it is. And we yeah. imagine we're not going to be able to breathe because we're just going to be, you know, buried with kids all day. And I, I don't, I have found that's not the case at all, that oftentimes it's giving them more more time to just explore and discover things and play with toys and just do the things that I think kids don't do so much anymore. It's really important. Well, and being bored is so important mm-hmm. yes. because it's at my kids will say, I'm bored. And I'm like, good, that's great. That's right. It's a life skill. It and is. You can, you need to learn how to have an open space of time mm-hmm. and be okay with it to just sit right. in it or yes. figure out something on your own to do that, that you enjoy or that's hundred percent. Have you heard about our Patreon community? Patreon provides a way for listeners like you to partner with us to reach more women with the Praying Christian Women podcast and our other prayer resources. For as little as $1 a month, you'll get exclusive access to video recordings of podcast episodes, including some early access to episodes before they've even been published. You'll also be able to listen to our entire archive of retired episodes of the Prevailing Prayer podcast, where our podcasting partnership began. You'll get sneak peeks of our newest prayer resources, as well as virtual retreats and other audio and video bonuses. To find out more, head over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash partner right now and check it out. In Boy Mom, I quote um, Andy Crouch from his book, Tech Wise Family, and he talks about how boredom is the gateway to creativity, and I just love that. It really is. In practice, that is so true. Yeah. Well, and that leads us to another question that I had. Mm-hmm. Is it ever too late? I'm sure there are mm-hmm. people that are listening that have kids that are older and mm-hmm. they're thinking, why even bother? I've already screwed them up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or yeah. even grandparents listening and thinking, I didn't right. do this with my kids. I missed opportunities. Sure. Is it too late? Or what can we do if we feel like it's too late? Are there still things we can do? Yeah, that's such an important question. And I love it because I just think we have such a big God and that it's never too late as long as we're all alive and breathing and able to reach out and take the next step. So definitely the younger kids are, um, the better. You have more opportunities to train and teach and shape their little hearts. But for those who have teenagers, I say the best thing you can do is reach out to them and and be very honest and authentic and own it and just say, mom's kind of been, you know, busy with a whole lot of things. And I I feel some regret for the ways we've opened the doors, maybe too, too much time. I mean, probably what I hear from people the most on is just technology. Moms who have let their kids kind of become little gaming addicts. And they're like, how could I ever go back now? And I say, just own it. Say, listen, there's a lot of research out there. There's, I know more now than I did before. And so we need to step back and I'm going to make some changes and it's going to be hard for you. And it's going to be hard for me, but I love you. And, um, because I love you so much and I care more about your future than your happiness today, I'm going to make some changes in 
this house and you're going to get used to it. But for now, this is these, this is how it's going to look and maybe just share with them a few things. I, I want to work on your attitude. I want to work on your character. And so I think that when you just talk to them honestly and you own it, you don't put it on them like you're this and you're that, but you're mm-hmm. saying, I've made some mistakes and now that I know more, I want to do better. And it's all because I love you. And I think kids are going to understand that. They're going to get it when, when mom and dad own their mistakes and reach out in humility and say, listen, I'm going to put my phone away more. I'm going to turn off my laptop. I want to invest time in you because this is time we'll never have back. So I think kids are pretty open when parents are authentic and humble. And, um, you know, they, I always say kids can sniff a hypocrite 10 miles away and even more so when it's their parents. So... Yeah. And and that just goes back to modeling because I can't tell you the number of times that I've made comments that have been kind of shaming my kids for being Mm -hmm. on technology too much when, Mm -hmm. I mean, who's the, who's the adult? Yeah. (laughs) And then at the same time, I realize just how much time I spend and I rationalize it. Well, I'm doing banking right now on my phone. Mm -hmm. I'm not surfing the web, Mm -hmm. but you know what? I'm not always doing banking. Sometimes there's a gray area there, right? (laughs) Doing things, you know, so modeling in this area, I think is so important right. because they can, they can sniff a hypocrite and they're going to use that right. and it is going to make them very unhappy. Not, yes, not yes. To be, be ready for that, yeah. but it's, it's okay. They'll, they'll live. I don't think it'll kill them. Yeah. Well, you have a great spectrum of ages right now to be able uh-huh. to reflect back and forward. Mm. And what, um, what are, like, how has your prayer life mm-hmm. evolved for the kids through the years. What is it? Yeah. I love that. Well, I think the more you're able to get alone and be independent, the more time you have for prayer. So I'm really just in a season where I'm trying to make prayer just a bigger priority. I think when kids were young, there was just a lot of grace for doing, you know, quick devotions and praying throughout the day. But now I'm really uh, trying to invest more time into just really sitting at the feet of Jesus and, and being in the word and letting prayer, um, kind of come through what I'm studying and reading in the word and then just really lifting up my kids. And I've gotten more intentional recently about uh, having prayer lists where each day I really commit people to the Lord where I used to kind of run through a list every day, but now I'm like breaking it down because I want to really give intentional prayer and pray scripture over people in my life. So I don't know, it feels kind of like I'm hitting a more mature season maybe where prayer is just becoming a bigger priority. And I'm so thankful for that. Um, my 21 year old who's away at college, he's a real prayer warrior. So he actually inspires me because he will oftentimes just go outside and just spend extended periods of time, just speaking out loud in prayer to the Lord, mm-hmm. listening, um, journaling. He's, he's got a long list of people he prays for diligently every day. And, um, so he inspires me actually. And then again, this book I've been reading how to pray has been really encouraging. So yeah, I feel like I'm in a real season of, of growth in my own prayer life, which is really special now that my youngest is 10 and it gives you a little bit more ability to pull away. Yeah. I've recently, my youngest just turned seven, Mm. like last week. And Mm. I have recently come, you know, to this realization that I'm not a little kid mom anymore. It's kind of a bittersweet time. I know. Yeah, it is. But what I love is that, you know, a lot of what you talk about and what you really began blogging about, right, was tween Mm -hmm. boys and like your experiences raising boys in the tween and teen years. And just the joy that mm-hmm. you get from that. And I think that yeah. is a really damaging 
misconception mm-hmm. and kind of stigma that we place on teenage kids, especially yeah. boys, yeah. but really any of the teenage years. And I even hear it, you know, my husband and I will joke around, you know, our daughter who's just turned seven will sometimes act like a teenager in the way she mm-hmm. acts or the dramatic way oh, she yeah. says things. But I feel like it's kind of damaging just even to joke like that and say, oh, well, she's, imagine what she's going to be like when she's 17. Right. And that doesn't, it doesn't have to be an ugly time. No. And, you know, I mean, I do have a 14 year old who's amazing and I love him and he's not the stereotypical, like moody, sullen kid. No. But it doesn't no. mean that one of my kids isn't going to have those tendencies or, sure. you know. Yeah. Hormones are real. Right. Right. <laughs> there's, there's a stage that's a little more challenging, right. but yeah, I'm just such a believer that that there's more we can do as parents than people believe that there's so much to those connections you build, especially in the early years. If you keep a healthy relationship, if you enjoy them and you speak life to them and you love on them and you really are careful about the influences in their life, that when they hit their tween and teen years, again, influence is just one of those topics that comes up all the time for me because I just believe if they have the right influences in their tween and teenage years, it's going to make a huge difference. Um, If they're hanging around people who are disrespectful to their parents and rude and turning to negative things, then that's not going to help. But if they've got other people in their life, youth leaders, you know, pastors, friends who are walking the same walk, it's going to help them get through it. And then your relationship can stay strong. I mean, I have nothing but enjoyed my boys in their tween and teenage years. Yeah, there's moody times, there's rough spots, but overall, boys are a blast. Teenagers are so much fun. They have such a great sense of humor. And yeah, we need to stay on our game, but I don't think it's something to dread. If you're doing your work when they're young, it's you don't need to dread those teenage years. Yeah, no, I, I think that's important. and mm-hmm. And to just be expect it to be a good season. hundred percent. You know, expect it to be good. Yes. Yes. um, And of course, prayer is important. So, you know, what, what have been some of your favorite ways as the kids have grown up to model prayer for them or to train Mm -hmm. them to pray? I love what you said about your oldest. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I have that in my head now is like, that's, you know, when you picture some things that you want for your kids, Mm -hmm. like that's one of the things I just, I really want for my children is to have a personal prayer life with God, a personal relationship with God. So what have been some things that you feel like you've done well or done right in terms Mm -hmm. of modeling or training them in in their prayer lives over the years? Well, first of all, all all glory to God, because I certainly have not been a perfect parent. And so I just, I know his grace has been all over me and my family. So I think it's fair to start with that because I think, you know, if anyone's listening and they feel like, oh, I haven't been modeling well, it's okay. God's still got your kids and, mm-hmm. and he can do anything. Especially, like I said, if you turn to them now and say, hey, mom's working on her prayer life. Like I realize that I am missing out. Just being really, I think kids really are more relatable to us than we think. I think a lot of parents don't tell things going on in their own life. So I've always been an open book when it comes to like, oh my goodness, I read my devotions today. God totally spoke to me on this. And I just share it like I'm sharing mm-hmm. what I just read at, you know, in the news or something. So just being really authentic. I think Deuteronomy chapter six is just great about, you know, talking to your kids about God's commands as you walk along the street, when you lie down, when you get up, it's just like that natural. If it's, if it's in your heart, it's going to flow out of you naturally. So I say the best thing we can do is really fall in love with the Lord 
every day. And if we're doing that, it's going to come out of us. But besides that, again, I think we've really been intentional about the influences in my boys' lives. We've made sure they're going to a good youth group. They have a youth leader who meets with them, who holds them accountable, who keeps them on a Bible study plan. We have not super consistently, but we try to go to prayer meetings as a family when our church has them. We aren't super, you know, religious, I say about like family devotions, but we will spontaneously gather and pray and do a night of worship where my husband plays guitar and we all pray for each other. So again, I feel like it has to be natural. It can't be contrived. Um, They see my husband and I get up in the morning, read our Bible and pray, and they know that's what we prioritize. They know that we wouldn't go a day without being dependent on the Lord. And I think because they love us and they respect us, they're like, well, I must need that too. So it doesn't mean all my kids' prayer lives look like my oldest son. I think he's a uniquely, <laughs> uniquely wired boy, but they all do have a prayer life and they all do make devotions, you know, a priority. So yeah, modeling authentically is the best thing I can say anyone can do. And then, and then talk to your kids about it. And, and I mean, I've always made devotions part of their day. It's not like if you want to, it's, this is what we do. We get up, we read the Bible. You need that, you know, before you're in the in the world, get into the word, you know, get into God's word before you open Instagram, before you start chatting with a friend. So we've made it a priority. When you do that, do you do it as a family with them? Or is there a time when you tell them, okay, now this is your own time. We're all going off in our separate corners. How do you handle that for the devotion time? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. I think uh, our mornings are so crazy here partly because of the surf. And so sometimes kids are up and out the door in the dark with a granola bar and just getting into the water. <laughs> um, but, but anytime we're all home, it's, it's usually by the time, like I said, my 10 year old will come and get in my lap and we'll read his devotional together. But he's at an age now where I'm also like, okay, buddy, we read together. We read the Bible in your devotional, but I want you to now just sit alone with the Lord. And I want you to pray about what you just learned. And I want you to ask him to, if he has anything to speak to your heart. And then he has a little journal and not every day, but as many days as possible. I ask him to just journal a line or two, a simple prayer, copy the scripture he just read or ask God for help with something or confess something. I just am trying to teach him the journaling habit. But yeah, for the most part, once they're, once they're, you know, 10 to 12, they're ready to be independent. And then it's just their own thing. I, I don't have to tell them. They just know that's what they do every day. And I'll say, my 16-year-old, I'll go in there and he's you know, editing a surf video. And I'll be like, buddy, have you done devotions? And he almost always is like, yep, I did them. Or I'm about to do them. I had to turn this in, but I'm going to go now. And so yeah, some reminders sometimes. <laughs> That's great. I love those baby steps, you know, just how you take one little step at a time, have them just, you know, because they're not going to, I think a lot of times I I started realizing this when my oldest was, you know, maybe, you know, in the elementary years, my faith doesn't just magically transfer to him. Mm -hmm. My knowledge of how to talk to God, that's not something that he just absorbs. Mm -hmm. We have to teach. And it's just, it's so funny how shocking that was to me, but you know, they are, they need to be taught how to, how to formulate a prayer, how to journal, how to, and I like that. I like that just little by little instruction. And, and I think to go with that, you know, again, I'm just using my 10 year old as an example because he's the least independent, but you know, I'll just be like, buddy, 
when you have a relationship with God, you're going to hear his voice. I, I encourage you to just be listening today and just encouraging them to start to own that because otherwise I do think they look at it as mom's faith, the family's faith. And I'm like, no, actually God has a word for you. And you know, when you're reading his word, he's going to speak to your heart. So be listening because that's like what it's all about. And we speak about it like it's exciting, like it's an adventure, that this isn't some boring thing you do on Sundays. This is like a living, active relationship with God. And one thing we did during the quarantine, I don't know how many of your listeners go back as far as I do, but probably 20 years ago, you might remember the big movement, all the churches were doing the Experiencing God yes. workbook. You remember um, that? Oh, Yeah. And I did it way back before I had kids. And this summer, um, my friend Gwen Smith, she has the podcast Graceology. It's awesome. And she has some kids who are young adults and college age. And she's like, yeah, while everybody's home for quarantine, we're going through experiencing God. I was like, oh my goodness, this is perfect. So I ordered them for the whole family. And it was, it's a 12-week study. And so all of the older kids, my youngest wasn't quite ready for it. But we all went through it day by day. And then every week we'd get together and just talk about what God was teaching us. And it was just a little revival in our own family because we were all so excited to just learn some new techniques for experiencing God on a day-to-day -day basis. So that was a really fun thing. If you've got older kids, high school age, I'd say, and above, that's a really fun thing to do as a family. That's neat. That book, we have several copies of that book. My, it's one of my mother-in-law's favorite books, uh -huh. and she's gone through it with yes. my husband, and we've talked about going through it with our kids, but we haven't. Yeah. That book was very instrumental, though. I was making a big decision about school for the kids, and like God just really spoke to mm -hmm. me through that book. It's, it's mm -hmm. a great book. Yeah, it is. That's Blackaby, right? Henry Blackaby. Yes, yes. Yeah, great book. I should link to that, too. Awesome, <laughs> for sure. Um, wow. I have so many things to ask you. Um, <laughs> I think one of the other things you have talked to, oh, well, I've got another one. Um, how do you handle in the prayer lives of your children when they're younger? Mm -hmm. How do you handle some of the frivolous prayers? I call them the happy meal toy prayers because <laughs> I still remember we would go through the drive-thru at McDonald's and my, my oldest, I remember he would say, all right, I want to get the whatever, how to train your dragon, the, the purple dragon. I want that. And he would say, you know, dear God, please let me get the purple dragon. <laughs> and, you know, how do you approach those kinds of things? Uh, or, you know, God, please let there be a rainbow today because I want to see a rainbow. <laughs> right. Oh, that's such a good question. You know, I just feel like God is such a good and personal God that I don't think I've worried too much about those things other than just continuing to have conversations about the character of God and the heart mm -hmm. of God and that he's not just a genie that's going to give you the, everything you ask for, but that he's more concerned about your heart, but that sometimes he loves to give you good things that he, I mean, he always loves to give you good things, but sometimes he will answer those prayers. Uh, I, again, I keep mentioning it, so I apologize, but the how to pray book, I, I love that he's saying, well, should we pray for a parking space? Like, is that okay? And we he's actually like, have a podcast episode that Alana and I recorded called Parking Space Prayer. <laughs> oh, well then I'd love to hear what, I have to go back and find that one. Yeah. Right. But he's like, why not? I mean, because his, his theory is when God answers that prayer, then you just glorify him. Like the more we get used to bringing God into all the little stuff and in front of our kids, you know, you can't find your cell phone, your car keys, pray for it. Because then when you find him, you give God the glory and it becomes you become more and more dependent on him in the little stuff, which I think just teaches kids a lifestyle of just talking to God all day long. Um, but yeah, sometimes we have to correct some theology <laughs> for sure. 
Yeah. And I mean, we can be guilty of those things in our own lives, but I mean, I, I, I came to find, I guess that the disappointments were actually good teaching moments. Like you said, mm, you know, yes. God always gives us what we need. Sometimes he gives us what, what we want. Mm, well, what about when they get, what about when they get older and have mm. you ever had to walk through some major disappointments mm. with your older kids? Mm. Yeah, for sure. I'm thinking right now because he's still home in the house is um, my 16 year old and his surf career. That's kind of a big deal to him because oh, he's really yeah. on track trying to be a full-time, you know, pro surfer on the world tour. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, you travel a long ways. Um, we went to Portugal last fall. He was selected as like one of five kids in the world to be on this particular trip, which was wow. fully paid for. And they, they spend a, a week competing every day around different areas of Portugal. And they, um, at the end of the week, one of them is, is, you know, the winner. So they're judging every day of the week and then they win a huge sum of money. And it's just a big deal. And, um, my son, we're still not sure if it was food poisoning or a a bug, but on his third night got the most ill I've ever seen him. And for the next three days was throwing up and, and completely sick and couldn't leave his bed. I mean, I've never seen him so sick. So he missed essentially half of the contest that we flew across the world and did a lot of work for. But you know, another thing I focus on a lot in Boy Mom, it's a chapter, but I love to talk about is just identity. And when kids know that they know that they know that God is Lord and he is orchestrating everything and that their identity is found only in him. And you talk about it enough. I mean, it's hard to ever focus on your identity in Christ enough to outweigh the messages you're going to get from the world that it's all about how smart you are, how popular you are, how many followers or likes, or how well you do in your sport or what kind of job you're going to get. It's those messages are sent to our kids every single day and often by us as their parents. I mean, we put a lot of energy into my son's surfing, no doubt, but we try to balance that with, listen, win, lose, make your goals or not. Still, you are a child of God first and foremost. Your identity is rooted in Christ. He loves you. There is nothing you can do to get outside of his will when you're walking with him. And so when you hit a hard time like that, whether it's because he's sick in Portugal or he just flies to California and loses an event that was really going to make or break his next year of career, we just have to return again to what we know. And you got to talk about that. My older boys, you know, went through seasons of struggling with their identity because they were just awkward tweens and teenagers and didn't have a lot of friends because their friends weren't necessarily making good choices. And there's a lot of just lonely days where Mm. they just felt like, I don't fit in. Who am I? And those questions go in their heads. I think anyone listening that has a a young teenager or a tween, that's part of growing up. And it's not easy. But the more you can focus on their identity in Christ, the more we can focus on the most important things. Then in those quiet moments where they're really wrestling, because they're probably going to wrestle a lot in their own head and quietly, the more it's going to come back to them, the truths that mom and dad have taught them. Um, So disappointments are real. Sometimes their prayers won't be answered, but they can trust in the God that loves them so much that he is working for good on their behalf and for his glory. That is so good. I mean, Mm -hmm. that, that applies to so many situations, but that is, yeah, that is so important. Yeah. Well, so in your book, you lay out basically 12, right? Is it 12 yeah. uh-huh. areas? So just tell us a little bit about that. Summarize what, what this book right. is. Right, right. So it's the subtitle is Boy Mom, What Your Son Needs Most From You. Mm-hmm. And I really cover 12 areas of life that I think I just looked at our family and I was like, okay, 
what are the, if I sat down with a girlfriend over coffee and she said, lay it out, what are the 12 things I need to cover? And I'm sure I didn't cover them all, but in some way or another, I think (laughs) there's a little overlap that touches on other things. But these are the things essentially from our relationship with our children, which I think is just so foundational. It's going to be really hard to train and teach a kid about anything from dating to technology if you don't have a healthy relationship. So I really begin with our relationship. Faith is right at the front of the book because faith is going to be key to everything. If, you're, if you can raise a child who loves God and wants to honor God with his or her life, then everything else is going to fall into place. And then, you know, focus on character. And like I said, identity and influences. I mean, these are things that are just so, I'm so passionate about. They just pour it out of me. But then I had to touch too on technology because that's our world today. You know, how do we raise a child with a healthy relationship with technology? Because it's not going anywhere. It's here to stay. Mm -hmm. So how can we help them have a healthy relationship? Um, Touched on dating. I also, my husband and I are pretty uh, active. My background is sports medicine. My husband's a physician. And so I talk about a whole chapter on on physical health and, and the importance of teaching kids things like how to eat, how to sleep, how to take care of your, you know, emotional health too. And, and the things that one day when they launch, because my whole focus of this book was one day they're going to launch, whether it's to college, the military, get a job. One day they will no longer be living under our roof or we can hope. <laughs> we, we hope that one day they launch. And what are the things that I'm going to look back and go, oh, I wish I taught my son that, you know what? He really needs to sleep at night. Like you don't just pull all-nighters. Like that's actually God wired you. So let's talk about teaching our kids the basics of how, what do you do when you're feeling anxious and overwhelmed? Is it okay to get help? Well, let's talk about it because they may not face that when they're 14 or 16, but what if they're 19 and they're struggling? We need to have those conversations and say, you know what? It's okay to get help. Let's talk about that before they're gone. One of my good girlfriends has always said, talk about things before they're things. And I love that because it's like, let's, let's talk about some of those issues that are going to come up eventually so that you're prepared. And so anyway, and eventually I get to things like, you know, work ethic and the importance of raising a child that knows how to work and money management because our schools even don't teach money management, but how important, I mean, credit cards make their living off kids who take out credit cards in college and end up in debt before they're done with college and multiple kinds of debt. So I think just what, I think we're so busy as moms that it's so easy to raise kids and you're putting out the fires of today and tomorrow and schoolwork and college applications. And all of a sudden you're like, my son has no idea how to manage money. My son has no idea how to cook a meal, you know? So I've tried to get in the head of every mom and say, let's just look at these 12 areas, not to stress you out, but to say, what are the most important things? Maybe some of these other things we're focused on, can we can let go, but let's make sure they know how to scramble an egg. Let's make sure they know how to, you know, have a balanced meal, what that looks like. Let's make sure they've got boundaries when it comes to technology. So it's kind of, to me, a checklist, help mom stay in check and know that they're sending their kids off into the world ready and not overwhelmed by too many things that really don't matter, but let's focus on the things that matter most. That is so great. I have this picture every once in a while with different aspects of my kids. I'll wake up or I'll be more more likely than not. I'll be trying to fall asleep. Mm -hmm. This thought will come into my mind and I'll think, I didn't teach my kid this. Totally. (laughs) And I just picture the week before they go off to college or (laughs) wherever they end up going that I'm going to be like just trying to get all this stuff in. But this book will do this for me. It'll give me this so that I know that I'm covering my bases. I love it. 
It will, but all grace abounds too. I mean, there's it always going to be something. Trust me, I've forgotten a number of things myself. <laughs> so yeah. This is great. I, I cannot wait to read this book in its entirety and apply it not just to my boys, but to my girl too. I'm yeah. sure you have a lot mm -hmm. of followers that yes. are moms of boys and girls and it's yes. just, you know, or grandparents. Like these are mm -hmm. a lot of things as yes. grandparents um, that, that can For know, sure. be intentional about, yeah. about doing these things. So yeah. This is great. Thank you so much, Thank Monica. You. This has been great. Well, where can our listeners find your book and where do you like to hang out on social media? Mm, thank you. Yes. Well, my, my home base, my hub is just my website, which is monicaswanson.com. And you'll find links to the book and the podcast and everything there. And then on Instagram, that's kind of my favorite place to hang out. And I'm at Monica Swanson underscore. And I love to say hi. So if you find me there, please say hi and tell me how you found me. But yeah. That's, that's the places. All right. Well, how can we be praying for you today? Oh, wow. I appreciate that. You know, I think I'm like a lot of moms out there. I'm just trying to juggle a lot of things. So mm -hmm. I think that I would, uh, starting to think about that next book and got the boy mom podcast and I got kids here that need me every day. So just really wanting to hear from God on what matters most today and not trying to think too much about tomorrow or next year or the year after <laughs> where you go crazy. <laughs> yes. yes. All right. Well, we will definitely pray for you and Thank you. it's been great. Thanks for being here, Monica. Thanks so much. All right, God, we just thank you for bringing us here today, for bringing Monica to share her heart and mm -hmm. her experiences and share about this amazing book that I just know is going to be such a comfort and just a great tool for so many moms out there, myself included, to just help us really be intentional about raising our boys and our girls. God, I just lift her up to you today and thank you for all of the things that you've called her to that are just a huge blessing, but also can be overwhelming. We just pray that you would direct her next steps, that you would give her just clear vision, that you would order her thoughts and her priorities and just help her to know the next step. Just illuminate each next thing as it comes and that as she gets to the point of feeling overwhelmed or feeling like there's too much on her plate that you would help her to discern what your next best thing is for her Lord and that she would be able to see clearly what you've prepared for her that she would be able to strip away the things that are good things but not your best for her and that you would bless her family Lord that you would bless her marriage and just continue to use her to be a voice um, pointing more and more moms to you. Um, I just pray that through this book and through her ministry, through her podcast and her writing, that women would come to know Jesus for the first time and that women that already know Jesus would grow in their, in their um, relationship with you and um, that you would just equip these women through these resources to become more intentional about parenting, that they would, that we would raise a new generation of, of just boys and girls that are rooted in their faith, that are passionate about following you, that are just, that there would be a, a revolution um, in this world, God. And that a lot of that would just come through, um, through Monica and her message. Mm -hmm. And we just pray for the next book that she has ahead of her, that you would give her inspiration and vision and creativity, that she would know how to find time to get alone with you and um, that you would just rain down your blessings on her and her household in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank you so much. 
Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.